Well, we've been ministering the last several weeks, and we're going to continue on that this morning. I think I'm going to try to wrap it up, but if not, we'll be back next week on a subject that I think is uh, something we all need to continually be reminded of. I know I need to be reminded of it on a daily basis, and that is to not be afraid. Don't fear. Have no fear. The scriptures teach us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it's been our foundational text where this... The Word of God declares that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Everyone say self-discipline. Some of your translations say sound mind or self-discipline. It really, it's all all one and the same, but we have the opportunity to not fall into the trap of being paralyzed by the spirit of fear because the trio of power and of love and of self-discipline are a powerful counterforce to the spirit of fear. And we have the resources that we need from God's word. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the love of God that casts out all fear. And we have the spirit of self-discipline. We can discipline ourselves not to put ourselves, not to allow ourselves to get into a situation or into a circumstance where we are paralyzed by the spirit of fear. Amen. I shared with you last week, you know, over the last several weeks, how you know, of fear, you know, it, are, it, it, uh, it will corrode your confidence in the character of God. And you begin to cry out to God for things that really, uh, in your heart of hearts, you really don't even believe it, but you, you, know, you get backed up against the wall. For example, the disciples, they spent time with Jesus. They knew Jesus personally, and they, they were worshiping God together with him, but they found themselves on a boat with Jesus, And that boat is a type of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That boat is on the sea, out on the troubled waters, and it's a type of the world. So we're the body of Christ, but we're in the world, and the storms are beating vehemently on this boat, and they they begin to fear for their lives, and they wake Jesus up, and they ask Jesus this very nonsensical question, that Jesus, don't you care that we are drowning? Now, You know, you can read that in Mark chapter 4 and just kind of read over and say, oh, that's great. Jesus woke up and he took care of the situation and things went on. But, you know, allow it to speak to your heart. How does it apply to my life? How is my life as a Christian, as a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this troubled world where the waves and the wind are beating vehemently on my life and I allow fear to overwhelm me, and I begin to question God. I begin to ask questions similar to what the disciples ask. Jesus, don't you care that we are drowning, is what they ask, but let's put it like this. Jesus, don't you care that I am, and you fill in the blank. So when you fill in the blank, then go back up and ask yourself, is, is, is that even sensible, reasonable to ask God if he doesn't care that... Uh, I'm in the situation that I'm in. Of course he cares. The main characteristic of God is God is love. That's who he is, the very essence of his being. He, he is love. And when you read about the love of God, I brought this up in one of the weeks. I forget which week it was. But in 1 John chapter 4, where it tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And that his love has been deposited into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
So we have the love of God in our hearts, and God is love. And so when we find ourselves wanting to ask the questions, or you may not be articulating, you may not be putting words to it, but it keeps, you know, it keeps going around in your mind, and you, 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 know, you have to really bite your tongue not to say, but God, don't you care? Before you ask that question, remind yourself that, yes, God does care. He's a God of love. Y'all know in here what the first, very first miracle is that Jesus did as God manifested in the flesh? You know what the very first miracle that he performed? What was it? Turned the water into wine. Does that sound like a crisis? For some people. <laughs> For some of y'all more so than me, but <laughs> I'm fine with water. But stop and think about it. I mean, it was, a, it was a relational embarrassment. Wine at the weddings was a sign of honor. He brought people, you were a, a VIP at this particular event. So to run out of wine was a social embarrassment. But outside of being a social embarrassment, it's no big deal. No one was going to die. It was, not, it was not the type of thing that we think of it. God, you need to intervene here. Or we're, you know, this is going to get out of control. No. So why did he do it? Why would that be the inaugural miracle? I think it's the inaugural miracle of miracles to show us and to remind us that God cares about even the smallest things in your life. So let's not get caught up. Let's not get our, ourselves backed up against a wall by the spirit of fear where we are beginning to cry out, God, don't you care? If he cares about enough wine at a wedding where no one's life is in danger, no one's going to die, no one's going to get hurt, but he intervenes. That's to show you and it's to show us that God cares about us and he is, he is concerned about the minute details of our life. What you care about, he cares about. He loves you. And we can begin to put the spirit of anxiety behind us, not allow the spirit of fear to paralyze us, but to continue to trust in Almighty God who cares for you. He's mindful of you. He's mindful of you. Today, we're going to be reading from, uh, from Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to continue on this and encouraging us to, uh, to not be afraid. And what we have here in Exodus 14, this is the children of Israel, God's covenant children. They've been in Egyptian bondage for many, many years. And God sent Moses as their deliverer, and they're about to experience the ultimate delivery. They're going to come out of Egypt. They're going to cross over the Red Sea on dry land, and they're going to uh, enter into the promised land. But after a season, a long season of uh, thinking they're going to be set free and then not being set free and then thinking they're going to be set free and then, then not happening, Pharaoh continues to change his mind. Finally, Pharaoh gives them permission to, to go and they are going, they are traveling towards, towards their destination. And uh, Pharaoh happened to change his mind and decided, no, I'm not going to let them go. I'm going to pursue them. Well, he catches up with them, and they, they, are, they are camping out right up, right up on, the, on the shore of, of the Red Sea. So beginning at verse 10 of Exodus chapter 14, it says, As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, as, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. 
They looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtake them. What are we looking at? What are we focusing on that, that causes us to panic? They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in Egypt. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But, everyone say, but. <laughs> but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Now, in verse 10, it says they looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians. Moses' response is, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. And here he put this in the chat, just stay calm. Everyone say, just stay calm. Now, when you come into a situation, are you a type of person that when you come into a, a, an emotionally stoked situation, uh, fear and anticipation is, is rampant and you can just tell that there's a lot of unsettledness? Are you the type of the person who comes into that and, and you immediately get caught up in it and, and you just become as, as afraid as everyone else? Or are you the type of person who comes into the room and calm down, everyone just chill? Just stay calm. It's a good way to get hurt, but... <laughs> Just stay calm. You know, when the disciples were in the upper room, after Jesus had ascended, they were in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They, they were afraid, not knowing and probably thinking that they may be next to be crucified. They just saw Jesus being uh, tried and crucified, and they're thinking, well, this, you know, they went after Jesus. They could be coming after us next. So they're in the upper room, and the door being closed, and Jesus appears. I went to a prayer meeting the other day in town, and I, I walked in. The, the church is right. The church is so uh, you can enter it from Fifth Street or Fourth Street. And the, the pastor's sitting in the in the auditorium. And he's thinking the the doors on Fourth Street are normally locked. Well, I parked on the back side. I found a parking spot off of Fourth Street, and I walked up. I was, I was thinking they might be locked, but I thought, well, I'll just check. So I walked up, and sure enough, the one door was open. So I walked in. When I walked in, the pastor looked at me. How would you get here? I said, through the door. <laughs> through the door, you know, pretty much like Jesus showed up, just showed up through the door. But he sh no, Jesus showed up in the upper room through the door and immediately said, peace to you. He spoke peace on them. And so we want to become, we want to become that person that brings peace and calm tranquility into the situation. We don't want to be the person that, that comes into the room and, and fear and panic escalate because now I'm here. Things are really going to get wild now because I'm really wired. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to really stoke the fires of fear. We don't want to be that. We want to be the, the person like Moses said, just stay calm. Now, I didn't say it flippantly. You know, I'm sure as a leader of all these people, I'm sure it was not the, you know, he really had to draw from the, from the inner well of strength and from his time of, of spending time in the presence of Almighty God and experiencing the presence of God and the power of God and the promises of God in his life. And out of that reservoir of being in God's presence, he was able to, to encourage them not to be afraid, to stand still, to watch, and to just stay calm. 
to just stay calm. It's uh, similar to a, the, the movie Braveheart, this situation here where you have all these, uh, the, the Israelites, all these years in Egyptian bondage, and they're making this transition into the promised land. You know, numbers of people, you know, I hear from two million, it could be as many as six million, it really doesn't matter. You know, once you have a two million, what's it matter if it's six? But anyway, getting, getting ready to cross over the Red Sea. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of anticipation and you have the people, you know, they're up against the Red Sea. They're not exactly sure, okay, how's this going to work? You know, the waters hadn't been parted yet. They're still seeing the raging rivers, you know, the sea. And they looked up and discovered that Pharaoh changed his mind and he's chasing, he's pursuing them. And they can see the whites of the enemy's eyes. So they have the river in front of them and they have the enemy behind them. And you're thinking, we're dead. And they turned on Moses. They cried out to God, and then they turned on Moses, and they begin to, you know, they begin their lament. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? And yada yada yada. You know, you, you know the routine. You've rehearsed it enough. I have rehearsed it enough. We don't need to go into the routine. But you know, why did you do this, God? It was better this way, and you know, I thought I thought it's going to be better over here, but now it's not. Now I'm in trouble. Now I'm going to die. The enemy is is, is pursuing me. I can see the whites of their eyes. And it's a, it's a very, uh, this, the anxiety, fear is at a tipping point. I mean, it doesn't take much when you, to incite a crowd like this. I mean, at any, at any moment, you could have a flashpoint here, and there could be a stampede. I mean, things are critically, emotions are high. I want you to be able to just try to feel the moment of all these millions of people together and, and the anxiety level being at the tipping point and almost at a flashpoint, it could really become a horrible situation. And Moses is in here as a leader and he's, and he's bold enough and courageous enough to stand up and say, don't be afraid, stand still and watch. Stand still and watch. Now, that takes a lot of courage to do that in our own personal lives. When, it just, when fear is at that tipping point, when we are backed up against the wall and we are, uh, we're able to see the whites of the enemy's eyes approaching us and it looks like it's, it's a disaster that's about to happen at any particular moment, at any particular moment. But there's a scene in the movie Braveheart, you know, when William Wallace, remember William Wallace and Braveheart, he's leading that ragtag team of Scottish soldiers and, uh, into battle for their very first time. It's a situation I think that's similar to what uh, I think has some parallels here with what Moses' situation here is, you know, but uh, these people are at a place where they're willing to do, they've been backed up long enough, they've been in slavery long enough, they've been in bondage long enough, that they are willing to do whatever it takes to gain their freedom. But they, uh, it, this particular group of people that William Wallace is trying to lead, they have, uh, they have uh, no weapons, they have no chariots, they have no horses, they have no uniforms, they have none of the wartime tools or, or equipment that the opposing army has. The children of Israel didn't have any of that. The Egyptians had all the, all the, the arsenal. The children of Israel had none. William Wallace's army, they didn't have anything all the, except for their homemade spears. And uh, they needed to know to throw them just at the right time. And they had to wait for Wallace's command. And they knew 
Thankfully, they knew and they understood that timing was everything. Everyone say, timing is everything. Now, remember 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So I'm going to talk about self-discipline today in overcoming the spirit of fear. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm with the idea, oh, you mean I need to do something. <laughs> That's right. You need to do something. We, we need to practice and we need to self-discipline ourselves and we need to hear the Holy Spirit clearly and concisely and to be ready to act accordingly as the Holy Spirit is leading us. So it takes self-discipline. Moses needed to exercise self-discipline as a leader. All the children of Israel, yes, they did cry out to God, and yes, they, they complained to Moses, but they, they still remained constrained. They still had a sense of self-discipline. There, there, there was no stampede. I mean, at any moment, there could have been a, a flashpoint, and things could have gotten very, very ugly very quickly, but it didn't. There was a, there was a, a sense of, a, that there was a degree of self-discipline. And so, and so William Wallace's, his, his crew, his, his ragtag army, uh, they, they knew that they needed to wait for Wallace's command and that timing was everything because as they threw the javelins, if you remember the movie, when the army's coming against them with all their tools, the opposing army is coming toward them. They have all the wartime arsenal. His crew only has their homemade javelins. They, they, they understood that they need to launch them at, at just the right time because to, 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 to throw the javelin too soon, they're going to go up and they're going to drop in front of the enemy, and it's not going to affect them. If they wait too long, they're going to go behind the enemy, and it's not going to be effective, and they're going to be history. So at just the right time, they need to throw the javelins. Now, that, that's, that's, if you remember the movie, I mean, these guys are amped up. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what they're amped up on, but perhaps Jesus pulled one of those miracles and turned their water into wine. You know, they're Scottish, so. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough group to lead. And uh, Wallace is uh, commanding them to hold, hold, and to hold. And then at just the right time, they launch the spears and they, they are dropping exactly where they need to drop on the opposing army. And the opposing army with all their wartime arsenal turn and, 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 and went away, just turned and left, waved the white flag. But it was uh, the art of self-discipline. Self-discipline. They came thundering. The opposing army came thundering towards uh, Wallace and his crew. Uh, but uh, Wallace was able to have his men. He was able to have them hold. You know, I had to remind them to hold, to hold, and to hold. I want to sh uh, tell you today that when the spirit of fear is gripping your heart and it's just overwhelming you, it's real easy to think, let's do something lest we do nothing. Let's do something. And what happens is the enemy, one of the tactics of the enemy overall is, this, is to get you out of the timing, out of the will of God, or to preempt the will of God, to get you to do something that you're going to eventually do, but he'll try to get you to do it before you're supposed to do it, and it'll fail. Everyone say, timing is everything. I have the spirit of self-discipline. 
And so self-discipline is a very, very important tool. And you want to be developing that spirit of self-discipline. And that is what's going to, self-discipline is what's going to enable you to hold in the midst of apparent defeat. Apparent defeat is going to be, you're going to be able to hold your ground. You're going to be able to stand in faith. You're not going to tuck tail and run. You are going to take a stand and it's a, it's a stand. You're going, to, you're going to stand still and you're going to stay calm. Exactly what Moses was telling his people. He said, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch. Wallace was crying out to his ragtag army, hold, hold. Whole. And that's what he's saying. Trust me. Trust me. I got this. Trust me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Just hold. Hold on. Trust me. Trust me. Exercise some self-discipline here. Don't react. Don't act before you're supposed to. Don't be re reactionary here. Continue to stand still. Continue to stay calm. Just stay calm and, uh, and wait for the command of the Holy Spirit. When you have the command of the Holy Spirit to act, that's when you want to act. You are going to throw the javelin when, when Wallace tells you to throw it. Don't throw it before and don't wait too long after. Just do it right at that precise moment. Stand still and stay calm. Stand still and stay calm. Now, Moses was very much aware of where his people were and it's important that we are aware or we are as individuals and where the other, other people are within our spheres of influence and that we don't estimate raw human emotion, our own as well as other people. Raw human emotion and the survival instincts that are working in us in those moments of crises. Moses was very much aware of the emotions among the people that, uh, that, they, that they, were, they could have been a flashpoint at any moment. But... He was even more aware of God's presence. And in his presence, there is the promise of his divine protection. In his presence, there is the promise of divine protection. If you're not familiar with Psalm 23, if you're not familiar with Psalm 27 or Psalm 91, just start with those three and become familiar with them. They're not, neither one of them are very long. 23 and 27 are especially short. 91 is a little bit longer, I think like 16 verses, but become familiar with it. Put it in your arsenal. It will help you hold when it feels like all hell is breaking loose, when it feels like your ship is going to sink. You're at that moment when you are wanting to cry out, God, don't you care that we are going to, and you fill in the blank. Turn to Psalm 23, Psalm 27, Psalm 91. They're the promises of God's word. They reinforce the fact that God is with us and he is watching over us and his ministering angels are assigned to us and they are watching over us. So Moses was very much aware of, the, of the, uh, what was at stake. He was, uh, he was aware of the raw emotion. You can be very aware of what's at stake. You can be very aware of the raw emotions, the, the, the sheer feeling of panic and paranoia. You know what that feels like, but, the, but the, the idea is don't feel guilty about that. Just make sure that you are even more aware of the presence of God in the middle of that fear. The psalmist said, I walked through the valley 
valley of the shadow of death. I walk through this dark valley, but I'm not going to stop walking, because, not because I'm being ignorant, but because I am aware of the presence of God in my life. And yes, this is a painful season that I'm walking through, but I'm going to walk through it, and I'm going to walk through it successfully because God is with me, that no harm, no evil, no plague shall come near me. Only with my eyes shall I see them fall, but it's not going to come near me. Amen? So beware of it. Be aware of the presence of Almighty God. Moses was, in the, was, in the, was, was aware of the presence of Almighty God. Moses knows that, and he also, here's another key for you to overcome the spirit of fear. Moses knew in this situation, he knew that his heart was not going to be strengthened by listening to the people, what the people had to say when they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you, uh, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? You hear all the rhetoric. If not other people talking to you, it's your own self talking to you. There's the enemy whispering into your ear. Why did you do this? Why did you, you, know, why did you make this decision? You should have just left good enough alone. You should not have taken the risk. Who do you think you are taking steps of faith like that? You, you know, uh, just leave us, you know, just leave good enough alone. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than it is to be a corpse in the wilderness. Well, that's debatable, but you know, when you're, when you, when you're in that state of mind, you, you say things that really aren't coherent, but you begin to say things like that. So Moses, but Moses knew that his heart in this, in, in this setting, he's the leader. So he knew that in his heart, that his heart is not going to be strengthened by getting caught up in the people's words, in the people's fears, and in the people's complaints. He turned his eyes and his attention to Jesus. He turns his attention toward God. And, he, and, and from that posture of the presence of God, he makes his most counterintuitive statement, don't be afraid. Stand still, watch the Lord rescue you today. Today. The Lord himself, verse 14 says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Last week I told you that if you didn't get anything out of the, out of the message, I wanted you to get this one thing, and I've made this statement that the spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. The spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. That's what was coming at Moses. All this information, all this complaining, all these statements, trying to persuade Moses, trying to bring Moses back to where the people are rather than allowing Moses to bring the people up to where he was experiencing the presence of Almighty God. But fear will always corrode your confidence in the character of God. So make sure that you are not allowing all this information that's coming to you, especially the negative information, the stuff that's developing fear in your life, it is coming to legitimize its existence in your life. It's coming. And when you accept this information that's coming against you, you are giving fear a stronghold and a right to exist and to develop a stronghold in your life. It begins in the mind. Normally when you're afraid of something, many times we're afraid of something that hasn't even occurred yet. But the mere, the mere thought of it happening or the possibility of it, all of a sudden, it's a thought. 
and you begin ruminating on it, and you begin to, and you, begin to you, you give it permission to develop, eventually it becomes a stronghold, and now all of a sudden you're afraid. You're afraid. You don't have to go looking for it. Just in, in preparing these lessons the last couple of weeks and just, just being uh, more mindful of it and having a, having a greater consciousness of it, I was amazed that just this week, I've been trying to just a little bit of self-monitoring of the things that are being said to me. Not things that I asked for, but just things in general conversation, statements that were made that were I to camp on those and to ruminate on those and to continue to think about them, they were designed to build doubt and unbelief and eventually come to a place where it's developing fear in my life. Have you considered? Did you think about? What about this? Those types of statements. People aren't meaning evil when they're, when they're having these conversations, but you pay attention to what you're listening to. And you turn, you turn the conversation. Notice how Moses turned the conversation. You say, well, Moses was a leader. You're, you are a leader in your own right. You have responsibilities. You have a sphere of leadership. Leadership is influence. So you begin to influence. You begin with developing self-discipline in your life and, and recognize that with the spirit of self-discipline, I am conquering the spirit of fear. I am not bowing down to timidity. I am not going to not do something that God has instructed me to do or that he has given me a desire to do something and I'm not doing it because I'm afraid. Do it afraid knowing that God is with you. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk through that darkness not because it's not, uh, not, not because it's not scary, not because it's not lonely, but you're going to do it because you know God is with you and you're coming out a transformed person and you're coming to a place that you've been, that you've been desiring to be and you went through this season knowing that God is with you and you came through it successfully and you came through it stronger and you came through it wiser and you just stayed calm through the whole process. Amen. Amen. Just stay calm. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy. Father, we too want to be as Moses, your chosen leader to bring the people, your covenant people, out of Egyptian bondage and to bring them on into the new land into this wilderness, Father God, and, and eventually into the promised land was the ultimate destination. But I thank you, Lord God, as they're coming out of this place of bondage, there's this season of wilderness, and his, his responsibility here is to bring them out. And Father God, I thank you in Jesus' name that, that uh, you've given him the courage to uh, make the declaration to not be afraid, to stand still and to watch the Lord rescue. And, and Lord God, and, and for us to just stay calm and then for Moses then to go and to have an encounter with you and for you to speak to him and for to, to instruct him to stretch out the rod and that you parted the waters and the, and the people did go through on dry land. So I thank you, Lord God, that you've shown, you, you have proven yourself over and over and over again in scripture. But Lord God, we know that you're not only a God of history, that you are the I am. You're not the I was or the I will be. You're the God 
the I am, and you are the present God in our lives. So the same God that was with Moses and the children of Israel is the same God that's present in our lives today. You're present in every person that's in here right now and every person that's listening to this online. You are present in each one's life. And in your presence, we can stand up and we can look to you, Lord God, and we can, and we can remain calm and confident knowing that you are in our life with us. You're in the boat with us. We're in the boat with you. We're in this life together. We're in this world, not of this world, but while we're in this world, you are with us. And in Christ Jesus, it's an absolute safe place to be. So we thank you, Lord God, that we will not entertain thoughts of fear, but we will entertain thoughts of trust and confidence, and we will entertain our time in, in, in developing our time in your presence, soaking in your promises, and enjoying your provision, and in being confident in your protection. From this day on, and all the people said, amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I hope that's helped you the last couple of weeks. Just encourage you to stay built up and to stay strong and not to, not to be uh, paralyzed by the spirit of fear. There's so much in the word of God about that, but I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wanted us to hear the last several weeks. So praise God for that. Now, before we leave here today, if you're here by, and you have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you, you're not sure, you've heard about church, you've heard about Christians, and you had a lot of fear and paranoia and suspicion about us, well, you're here. You've been exposed. You're not contagious. <laughs> Seriously, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. For those of you that are participating online, if perhaps you've never made Jesus a personal commitment to receiving him as the forgiver of all your sin and receiving that, the most wonderful gift, the gift of eternal life, we want to just give you an opportunity to do that. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you have so loved us, that you loved me, that you sent your son Jesus to die at Calvary's cross and to shed his blood. We believe that he died and was buried, but on the third day, you raised him to newness of life. I believe that in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus as Lord of my life. Thank you, Father for the gift of eternal life. I'm a new creation in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen, amen. You prayed that for your very first time. We're, we're so happy for you. We have a connect room back here that Pastor Rodney talked about before the service or during the service. So as you're leaving here today, you're here for the first time or you receive Jesus Christ as Savior for the first time, please stop by the Connect Center and just connect with someone back there. Let them know you're here. Let them know about your decisions. Or if you have any questions, you go ahead and just stop by there. They'll, they'll be really kind and nice to you, I promise, and they won't keep you very long at all. Also, online, if you made that prayer, made that uh, commitment for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and contact us there. All the information is online there for you to contact us. And so we love you and we love all of you here and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Don't be afraid. Stay calm. Just stay calm. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have an awesome day.